I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Why wouldn't we have lived a life that was true to ourselves, if not for a voice in our heads that said we shouldn't, that we have responsibilities, that nobody will understand, that it will bring us shame to march to our own drum, whatever that looks like. That chasing our audacious goal is a pipe dream that will never amount to anything, that we would starve to death if we chose our art. All of those limiting beliefs are the voices of your inner critic. And that's the number one regret. So that's almost universally shared by people who are transitioning out of this life. Those people let their inner critics stop them. They let the inner critic win. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 83. I'm Jenny and I help squirrel brain entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs kick overwhelm to the curb and make the impact they are meant to make. If you are ready to finally do the thing, you are in the right place, my friend. Welcome to the world of the multi-passionate mind. You already know what a wonderfully weird and extraordinary place this is to live. Now imagine that you can easily decide where to aim your focus and trust yourself enough to finish what you start. Maybe you want to build a business that encompasses everything you love under one umbrella. Or maybe you just want the time freedom to finally start crossing things off your bucket list. I'm your personal hype woman, Jenny O'Connor, and I'm going to show you how to do it all like a boss. If you're an ambitious creative who's ready to make an impact, hit that subscribe button. Because we are the multi-passionate community that is going to change the world. If growing an audience on social media feels like a slog and you're convinced there has to be a better way, there is. It's email. The average ROI for email marketing is $42 for every dollar you spend. Plus, email reaches approximately 79% of the people you send it to. Instagram, 13.5. Ugh. But a lot of folks aren't using this highly effective strategy because they think writing emails is too time-consuming or that they're no good at storytelling. If you've ever thought that yourself, my free guide, Write Better Emails the Easy Way, will change the game and help you craft memorable, money-making newsletters in just minutes a week. Get it now at jennyoconnor.com forward slash email. Okay. So if you've been a listener of this podcast for a while, or if you've been in my orbit for a minute, you've probably heard me speak about the top five regrets of the dying. But if this is your first time hearing it, Top Five Regrets of the Dying was a book that came out in 2011 written by Bronnie Ware, who is or was a palliative care nurse. So she was hanging out with these people, giving them care as they were transitioning out of this mortal realm, like the last week of their lives, essentially. So time and time again, she heard these people on their deathbeds repeat these same regrets over and over again until she finally decided to write a book about them in the hopes that those of us who still had more time could live our lives differently and maybe not have those same regrets ourselves. It's a beautiful mission. So here are those top five regrets. And I promise there's a reason that I'm telling you all of this. So stick with me. Regret number one, the single biggest one that sort of universally everyone had. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. So doing what I want and what I feel called to do rather than doing all of the shoulds that society and other people imposed on me throughout my life. Okay. Number two, 
I wish I hadn't worked so much. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. So I'm reading this list to you today because I'm going to argue that four out of five of these regrets are in some part due to perhaps even exclusively the result of the voice of your inner critic blocking you from achieving this heightened state of happiness and bliss and life satisfaction. Imposter syndrome is behind four out of five of these regrets. So let's go through them again. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Why wouldn't we have lived a life that was true to ourselves if not for a voice in our heads that said we shouldn't, that we have responsibilities, that nobody will understand, that it will bring us shame to march to our own drum, whatever that looks like. That chasing our audacious goal is a pipe dream that will never amount to anything, that we would starve to death if we chose our art. All of those limiting beliefs are the voices of your inner critic. And that's the number one regret. So that's almost universally shared by people who are transitioning out of this life. Those people let their inner critics stop them. They let the inner critic win. Okay, so what about I wish I hadn't worked so much? What is the opposite of work? Play. Or rest, but you get to rest while you play. The act of creating often feels like the opposite of work. Not always. I mean, sometimes when I sit down to write my novel, it's work, definitely. But I wouldn't have chosen to write a novel if there wasn't some sense of absolute joy and true freedom for me in the act of creating. So for anyone who says, I wish I hadn't worked so much, I'm going to bet large sums of money that they didn't create as much as they wish they had. That's another way of saying, I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish I had taken more time for play and for joy. And those are the emotions that come up when you allow yourself to engage in the act of creation, creating whatever it is that calls to you, creating a beautiful meal for your family or your partner, creating scrapbooks that you give as gifts around the holidays. Whatever it is, the more you do with that, the less time you spend working too much because you've created this balance in your life. Does that make sense? So for the people that have that regret, I wish I hadn't worked so much, I believe that their inner critic prevented them from creating, in some cases at all, and in many cases, as much as they wanted to. So next up, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Why wouldn't someone express their feelings? Because it isn't nice to say those things. Because who do they think they are saying no to the needs of a community and a society and a family and a partner who need things from us? who need us to be the one to do all the things and fix all the problems and put out all the fires. Those voices that stop us from sticking to our boundaries, those voices that tell us that we need to say yes when our body knows the answer is no, those are limiting beliefs. That's the voice of the inner critic saying, you can't say no to this. All of the other parents said yes to the bake sale. They're all going to think you're not contributing and that you're a terrible mom or dad. That right there is imposter syndrome telling you that being who you are and speaking your truth is not how it's done. Totally inner critic driving the car in that situation. Okay, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. That one doesn't apply here. But the last one, I wish I had let myself be happier. What would stand in the way of your happiness? 
of doing the things that brought you joy, feeling like they didn't make you money. So they weren't worth doing feeling like someone might make fun of you feeling like if you put your work out into the world, people will criticize it. And that's way more vulnerable than you feel safe being. What would stand in the way of you just living a happier life? Choosing you and letting yourself have adventures and letting yourself do what brings you joy for no other purpose than that it brings you joy. It feels so irresponsible, especially as creatives, because it is so easy to get into our own heads that art doesn't serve a purpose. It's not brain surgery. It's not saving starving babies. I have a post that I'm going to drop in the show notes of this episode. It's called 11 Reasons to Do the Thing This Year. And if you ever feel that way about your art, that it's nice, but that it doesn't serve a greater purpose, it's not life-altering or world-changing, and therefore you should be doing something else, I want you to read this article because I go back to it over and over and over again. Because if you succeed in doing even one of the things on this list of 11 reasons to make your art, that is enough of a reason to make your art. At the end of the day, if making art brings you joy, that's all you need. That's all you need to do the thing. If one of the top five regrets of the dying is, I wish I had let myself be happier, don't stand in the way of anything that is going to make you feel happier. So I brought all of this up today because I think it's a really good introduction to this episode about slaying imposter syndrome, because this shows you all of the things that might happen that are possible in your life, or I should probably say that won't be possible if you don't learn to dance with your inner critic. If you don't learn to wrangle imposter syndrome, if you don't learn to feel the fear and do it anyway, you just might end up being like those people who are transitioning and having these regrets. And my sole purpose on this planet is to prevent that from happening to you. The more people that I can prevent that from happening for, the more I know that I have served my purpose in this life. So I've mentioned before, and it literally sounds hilarious every time I say it out loud these days, but I used to be scared of being on Zoom calls. So this was like when the pandemic and the lockdown started. So right before I started this podcast, so I mean, not quite even three years ago. It's absurd. It's absurd that Zoom calls stressed me out because now I do them all day, every day. I used to have to take shots of tequila before networking functions. And honestly, in-person networking still gives me agita to this day. I really don't love it. But I feel completely differently about Zoom networking and jumping on meetings and coaching calls and all of the things. Now, I also, and you've heard this story if you've been in my world for a while, I opened and closed multiple businesses that I took years to build because the visibility that marketing required was something I avoided like it was my actual job. I wanted to hide more than I wanted to succeed. So all of that is to say that I have wrestled imposter syndrome for over 20 years and I'm more visible than ever now with a laundry list of even bigger goals that I plan to accomplish next year. So the point being, I am a pro. I am a professional inner critic slayer. I have developed an immunity to imposter syndrome, almost an immunity. That doesn't mean that I don't get like the sniffles sometimes, like develop a little cough, a little hiccup every now and then, but I can beat back the symptoms in no time so that they do not level me and force me to crawl back into bed. So based on that illustrious history as an inner critic slayer, this is what I know to be true. Number one, 
action precedes confidence. So it's a lot like the conundrum of you can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. So in order to develop courage, you have to do the things that scare you before you have the courage to do them. But only in doing those things do you create agency, self-efficacy, basically proof of your ability, which in turn becomes confidence and courage and self-belief. Number two, imposter syndrome will never go away. New levels, new devils, as they say. Presidential advisors and elite athletes and very, very powerful and important people all have imposter syndrome. But Elizabeth Gilbert of Eat, Pray, Love fame, and she wrote a book about it, Big Magic, back here on my shelf. It's literally about overcoming the fear of making your art is the premise of that book. And what she has noticed is in the course of her many, many years of writing several novels, you can learn how to chart the cycle of your fears. For anything that you do on repeat, like making paintings or throwing pottery or writing novels like this, you'll get to a point, you know, maybe by the third time you're going to this rodeo where you're like, oh yeah, this is the place. It's about a hundred pages in where I start to question why I ever thought this was a good idea for a book in the first place. Okay. All right. I hear that. Gonna do it anyway. All right. So even though I said I'm impervious to imposter syndrome, what I mean is I can make it go away for a stretch, a long stretch these days. It still pops up now and then. Number three, you've probably heard this before, but it bears repeating. There is no amount of perfecting something that will make you feel ready. There is no amount of expertise or certification that will make you feel ready. It's like parenting, I'm told. I'm not a parent. I was a step-parent. But I am told that you're never ready. You're never like, yep, now this is the year where we finally have enough money and enough space. It's time for a kid. No, you just have a kid and figure it out. It's the definition of sink or swim. It's adopting the mantra, do it ugly or else acknowledge that you're never going to do it. It's today, not someday, not one day. But the truth is I've had two conversations just this week with clients who are playing this game with themselves. Oh, just give me another couple months. Don't give me any shout outs because my business isn't built yet. Okay. This is the thing that we all have to overcome. So that sounds a little hopeless. Those three truths that I just shared with you, you have to do scary stuff before you feel ready and you're never going to feel ready and you're going to suffer from imposter syndrome until you die. But it is not all bad news, I promise. There is hope. If you are listening to this show, I know you are not the kind of person who is content to go to your deathbed without having done certain things, without having released your passion project into the wild. All you need is a toolkit, which you can refer back to throughout your life when facing a haunted cemetery or a dark cave or the fire swamp, essentially all metaphors for anything you find thrilling, daunting, and important. So if you want the tools that I teach my own clients based on 20 years of being a professional, my new course, Slay Imposter Syndrome, is just what you need. You will learn multiple different modalities that I like to think of as ranging from least invasive to most invasive or least amount of work to most amount of time invested. And you can sort of pick and choose what you need based on how big and daunting the thing is that you want to do. 
I created this course because taking stock of our personal superpowers is something that we are all objectively bad at, especially women, but not exclusively. I want to reclaim the ability to look at ourselves as we actually are, as a little bit better than we are, because confidence is not equal to competence, you guys. You can be more confident than you are competent and nobody will care. They will still follow you anywhere. So I actually teach you to err on the side of a little too much if you're going to err. So if you find an exercise too hard in the module about taking stock and nearly a hundred percent of people struggle with some of these exercises, you have to do it anyway. Sorry, not sorry. This is a tough love approach simply because you have to do uncomfortable shit. If you want to accomplish great things in your life, I can't sugarcoat these teachings. We have to go full bore. There is no gray area. But you can start with the exercises that feel easiest. And before your very eyes, you will start to see this robust array of what makes you unique, what makes you great, what makes you qualified, what makes you interesting start to take shape. And the best part, the bonus cherry on top is that if you do all of these exercises to completion and take it really seriously, when you're done, you will have all of the makings of a media kit. And that, in fact, is one of the many, many bonuses inside of this course, my media kit template that you can take all of your answers to the exercises in module two and just copy paste them into your media kit. And then you'll need to take some photos and voila, you will have a completed media kit for promoting yourself to podcasts and radio shows and online publications. Imagine the added bonus of having that just done for you when the time comes that you need it. Because I totally know that a lot of you right now are like, whoa, Jenny, I am not at a stage where that is something I re- need right now. But if you go through the Slay Imposter Syndrome course, there is a very real danger that you will become an overnight sensation and then you will need it like yesterday. Slay Imposter Syndrome is only four modules long because I know you guys are squirrel brains and I like to keep things digestible and more importantly, finishable. Although it's important to repeat, as I stated before, that module two, where you really take stock of your superpowers, has multiple layers. So you may want to give yourself a couple of weeks to complete that one. But imagine what you might be doing a month from now, how you might kick off 2023 by finally beginning the project that you've been talking about forever. Once you know how to lower the volume on the voices that don't serve you anymore. The super incredible tactic that I teach in module three quieted my critic for over two years, as in no negative self-sabotaging doubts for two whole years. And like I said, it never really goes away. So when it came back, I revisited these tools and I was able to get back on track more empowered than ever. Honestly, I am excited about this course for the bonuses that I'm offering alone. Besides the media kit template, you get mantras for creatives, my framework for how to hype yourself up and fall in love with selling. And I share my special powerhouse playlist that I use to prep for interviews and speaking engagements. And today you guys is the final day to get the pre-sale price of 40% off. So four modules, plus all the bonuses, plus the chance to finally make the impact that you know you're meant to make for $77. It's crazy, but you have to buy by midnight tonight because after that, the price is going up. If you want to learn more, visit jennyoconnorcom forward slash slay. 
So that's it, boss fam. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, would you please share it with other multi-passionates? Also, if you want to learn about one of my favorite inner critic slaying power tools, check out episode 113, The Never Ending Resume. It's all about how to hack your confidence. And don't forget to grab your free copy of Lifestyle Design for Multi-Passionates. This is the guidebook I wish I'd had from the beginning. Answer a few questions about your deepest struggles and get focusing hacks, time management strategies, job suggestions, and confidence-enhancing tools specific to who you are. Plus, learn to steal back 24 hours a month. No big deal. That's just a whole extra day to do more sparkly things. Go and grab your copy today at jennyoconnor.com forward slash good life. And until next time, remember, nothing can hurt you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. Now get on out there and do the thing.